And after last night, we're just all filled up. I've heard the good reports today of many who has received the Holy Ghost, and we're happy for it. Happy to have Brother Graham with us tonight, one of our uh, associates here from the tabernacle, the pastor of the Holiness Church up in Utica. And Brother Jackson, he was here last night, I believe it was, or he's back here in the audience somewhere now, someone said. And yes, I see Brother Jackson back in the audience now. And, and uh, Brother Ruddle, is he here tonight? That's another one of our associates out here on 62. We're glad to have them in. And with our all Brother Pat and all these other brethren, we're now out in the audience. We're happy to have all of you here tonight. Now, if I would justify the thing, I'd bring some of them good preachers up here to speak to you because I'm hoarse. Just from having such a big time last night. <laughs> now, my wife, she's my correction. You know, brethren, what I'm talking about. She said the people in the back last night couldn't hear me because I was speaking into this thing. And now, before I get started, I'm going to try something. <laughs> now, I wonder if that's better. Okay, is that better way back in the back? Or is this better? Is this better? Now, honey, that's one time I got a mark against you. <laughs> now, they say that's better. All right. Oh, my, that's one. <laughs> that's a good one because it's been a long time since I had one. <laughs> She's usually right. <laughs> well, we certainly had a, been having a great time on those three nights service. I did. And now the tapes all except last night, I called Brother... Uh, Golden told him to come take the tape for the tabernacle, but it happened to be that I understood that Billy Paul had his car and gone, so the tape wasn't took as far as I know. So we uh, missed that one. I like to keep it in the church for the sake of the church, for someone say what we believe. Now, tonight, I'm going to speak on the great conference, if I can get through the questions in time. And then tomorrow morning is a healing service. And we're going to pray for the sick. Therefore, we cannot give out or just go and say, Now, I'm going to take you and you and you. That wouldn't be right. But we give out a group of cards. And somewhere along those cards, I call a few up on the platform. And then... If the Holy Spirit starts revealing, then it goes out through the audience and gets the people out in the audience for the healing service. And then uh, tomorrow morning I'll be speaking, the Lord willing, just before the healing service. I see my wife laughing. Honey, can't you hear me at all? Oh, you're hearing me? Well, that's fine. <laughs> she sits back in the back and if it's, can't hear me, she shake her head. You can't hear you, can't hear you. <laughs> So um, then tomorrow, tomorrow night, 
is uh, evangelistic service with water baptism service. And then as soon as they get through preaching tomorrow night, we'll pull back the curtains and have water baptism here tomorrow night. If the Lord willing, if the Lord is willing, in the morning, I want, or tomorrow night, I want to speak on the subject uh, a sign was given. And then, if we're here Wednesday night, if the Lord permits me to be here Wednesday night, I want to speak on the subject, we have seen His star in the east Amen. and have come to worship Him. Amen. Now, that's just ear Christmas Eve. And then, immediately after Christmas is Christmas holiday week. There's where we take all of the letters. Uh, Brother Mercer and them usually gets them all out. We lay them all out. And we pray over these letters and ask the Lord to lead us the whereabouts to the world that we'll be going. Now, the Christian businessman has a great lineup. That's to be in Florida right away for their conference, go from there to Kingston, then over to Haiti's, and down to Puerto Rico, into South America, back up through Mexico. But the Lord seems to be leading me to Norway. I don't know why. You know the little book called Man Sent from God? It's the biggest religious publication in Norway. Think of it, what the Lord has did there. And when I was there, they wouldn't let me lay hands on the sick. I was there for three nights, and they wouldn't let me lay hands on the sick. So, you see what God can do. The crowds were so big, they had to take mounted police horses and ride the people out of the streets so I could get up to the place. Not at lay hands on the sick. I prayed for them. Let them lay hands on one another. So, yeah, I sure will. Now, tomorrow morning, now tonight, maybe we'll just get into these questions because we've got some real good ones. And I don't know how long the Lord will keep us on it. And then tomorrow morning, either Billy Paul, Gene, or Leo, one, will be here to give out prayer cards at... 8 till 8.30. Now, the out-town people, let me make it over again so you won't forget. If you'd like to come into the line, we'd rather have out-of-town people if possible. Now, sometimes here in the church, we get to a place where they say, well, we get the out-of-town people and bring them up. Someone will say, well, I didn't know what was wrong with them. They might have been telling something wrong. Then you get people in town, they say, oh, well, you might have knew them. So then they say, it's been said, well, I tell you, it's prayer cards. Well, what about them that hasn't got prayer cards? And there's been day after day when it's small. What say? Stand back from the mic. Huh. Well, you know, I always preach the middle of the road. <laughs> so maybe I'll just take it like that. Is that better? That's, that's fine. i tell you what it is. Our, our public address system is very poor here. That's right. Very poor. And we're not trying to get any better now because we want the new tabernacle built right away. Yeah. And that's when we'll have plenty of room. See if we can get around here and spread this place out a little larger and put up some more places and get ready for uh, meetings when we have them here. Amen. Now, remember in the morning, the boys, one or three of them, 
will be giving out cards between 8.30 or 8 and 8.30. That gives a chance for everybody to get settled down. And I was speaking on about how they give out cards. Why we do it is to keep order. See? Now, what if I come in here just like right now and said, uh, let this woman, this woman, and that man, and this woman... You see, that would be kind of, that'd be kind of hard. See? And then if you, many times I've did this, and if there are not too many in the morning, I may do the same thing. I say, how many people here is from out of the city? It's got something wrong with you. You stand up. Brother Mercer, you're coming to my rescue. You going to help me? I'm coming to mine. <laughs> oh, you're coming. <laughs> He's coming to his own rescue. <laughs> I talked to your girlfriend today. Now, you better be real good to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's good. I admire that courage, Brother Leo. When it's not right, let's, let's get it as right as we know how to get it. The best that we can. So, now, then just ask for the out-of-town people raise up their hands. It's got something wrong with them. Then just stand there, consecrate on one person till the Holy Spirit gets started and take the entire audience. How many has been here when they've seen that done? In your so it doesn't matter which way it is. It's just, I want you to remember this. I'll try to go over it in the morning again. Gentiles, the gospel that's given to them is a faith gospel, not a works at all. Like I said last night, when the Holy Ghost fell at Pentecost, when they went out to the Jews, Acts 19.5, they had to lay hands on them that they receive it. And when they went down to the Samaritans, they had to lay hands on them. But when they come to the Gentiles at Cornelius' house, while Peter spake these words, no laying on of hands, when the little girl died, Jairus' daughter, the priest, said, come lay hands on her and she'll live. But when the Roman centurion, the Gentile, said, I'm not worthy you come under my roof, speak the word. That's it. See? The Serpiopian woman, Greek actually what she was, when, she, when Jesus said to her, said, it's not meat for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. She said, that's true, Lord. But the dogs under the table eats the children's crumbs. He said, for this saying, the devil's left your daughter. Amen. Say good things, Ann. Say something good about somebody. Talk about Jesus. Amen. Say something loyal, something real. Yes. That's the way to get rid of devils. Amen. He never said, he never prayed for the girl. He never said one thing about her being healed. He just said, for this saying, for this saying, had he right the other day, she didn't ask for nothing. She's just sitting there, but she said the right thing, which pleased the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spoke back and said, Hattie, ask anything that you will. Whatever you got and you want, find out whether this is real or not. Ask anything. The healing of her little crippled sister sitting there all drawn up. 
$10,000 to keep her from digging on them hills over there. The youth restored to her well-run down body. Whatever you want to ask, you asked it right now. If it don't come and give it to you right now, then I'm a false prophet. That's, that's, uh, that's something, isn't it? Yes. Jesus said, say to this mountain, you've heard the, about what's been taking place. That's the ministry that we're entering into. Amen. We're way up the road now. Soon the coming of the Lord Jesus. And we've got to have rapturing faith in a church that can be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Amen. to go out or we'll not go. But don't worry. It'll be there. Amen. It'll be there. And when the power of this church rises, it'll bring its brethren. The power of that church rises will bring its Amen. brethren. The power of that church will bring the other brethren. Then there will be a gentle resurrection. We're looking forward to it. Now, <clears throat> don't forget, prayer cards in the morning at 8 o'clock until 8.30. Then I asked him whatever was in, and just quit giving out cards and go on back and sit down. See, because he'll have them all give out press for that time, anyhow, as many as we'll pull from there somewhere. The boys will get up, mix all the cards up right before you. Then if you want one, you want one, and whatever more like that. And when I come in, I'll just, wherever the Lord says, call from. And if you say don't call at all, I won't call them at all. See, just whatever it is. And I'm... Um, that ministry is just about fading out anyhow. There's something greater coming in. Remember, that's where each time it's been set across this platform or across this pulpit, and it never has failed yet. Remember the ministry about the hand? See what it did? The thoughts of the heart? See what it did? Now watch this. Speak the Word and see what it does. See? I told you here years ago, the church, I'm talking to the tabernacle. Years ago, three or four years ago, something was fixing to materialize. It's fixing to take place. And here it is now, breaking right in to it's shaping itself up. Uh, we're grateful for that. Oh, how thankful we are. Just so glad. Now, we got some very stiff questions here. And we want to get right into them. Someone looked at all these books I had. <laughs> I said, well, a smart man only needs one. <laughs> but I'm not a smart man. <laughs> I have to have a lot of them to look into. Well, this is the diagonal. This is the Bible, and this is a concordance. <laughs> so it's, um, we're just going to ask the Lord to help us and direct us to answer these questions just according to His divine will and His Word. So now let us bow our heads just a moment for prayer. Lord, we are grateful to Thee from the very depths of our heart for what You have done for us in these last three nights. Oh, to see the ministers meeting back there in the room and shaking hands and renewed faith and, and a new step to take, calling up on the phone and our hearts rejoicing and people receiving the Holy Spirit after they have been seen Your Word, how it tells exactly step by step how to receive Your Holy Spirit. Amen. We are so thankful for that, Lord.
You make things so simple to us because we are a simple people. And we pray, God, that, that you will let us completely make ourselves always simple. For it's, that's the kind that humbles himself shall be exalted. And the wisdom of the world is foolishness unto God. That please God through the foolishness of preaching to save them which were lost. And now, Father, there is here in my possession several questions that's asked from sincere hearts that's concerned. And one of them answered wrong might throw the person the wrong way to throw the wrong light on their question that's bothering them. So, Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move upon us and will reveal these things. For it's written in the Scriptures, Ask and you shall receive. And seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto thee. That's what we're doing now, Lord, knocking at your door of mercy, standing in the shadow of thy divine justice. We plead for the blood of the Christ of God and for the Holy Spirit. And we do not come tonight just because that we're off of that three nights of Preaching on the Holy Spirit, we come with the deepest of reverence and sincerity. We come that as if this was the last night we'd ever be on earth. We come believing that you'll answer our prayers. Lord, we ask you now to satisfy us with thy eternal life and in answering of thy word. May the Holy Spirit... Oh, God, as we found that it's Yourself among us, we pray that He will reveal to us tonight the things that we desire. And we desire only that our souls might be uh, at rest and our minds at peace and having faith in God to walk forward to claim the blessings that He promised. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I have all the questions that was given me except one. And I answered the little brother Martin who asked me a question night before last. Just one. There was many here last night, but it was prayer request. And brother Martin asked me the question about John 3.16 or John 3, I believe, about except a man be born of water and of spirit. He could not see the kingdom and compared it with a tape that I'd sent out on Hebrews. And I met him in the back room here last evening and before I got a chance to answer him and then I did there on the subject. Now, <clears throat> is there any here that wasn't here last night? Let's see your hands. It wasn't here last night. Oh, we sure wished you would have been with us. We had such a glorious time. The Holy Spirit. I might, just for a minute, it won't hurt, this is taped, and if any minister happens to, or person that happens to disagree on what I'm fixing to say now, or even in the questions, 
I ask, brother, that you will not think it strange, but that remember that this tape is being made in our tabernacle here. We are teaching to our people. Many ministers of different faiths are sitting around. And I would like to go into the subject again, for there's some of our people that could not get in last night that I see are in tonight. And I would like to go through just a moment, if you'll permit it, upon what I spoke of last evening. And that was upon Pentecost, upon receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, reading from the emphatic diagnot of the Greek translation, where I was at last evening, which is laying open before me now, that's the original translation from the Greek to the English. It doesn't go through other translators it's, and other versions. It's right straight from the Greek to the English. Now, the English words many times have such meanings to them, such as I'd say now, bored. Take that word bored. You'd say, well, he meant that uh, we were boring him. No. Uh, he, um, he paid his board. No. Well, uh, uh, he is a board on the side of the house. Well, see, or... Um, any of these four or five different words could be used. You have to get the sentence. The word see. See means to understand in English. See means a body of water. See means to look at. See, but on these translations, the word here used that I spoke of last night in Acts, the second chapter, where it says, Tongues of fire set upon them. Now, I would like to just go back just a moment. Would you like to just a moment and kind of review it for a moment before we go any farther? Now, turn you and your King James or whatever translation you're reading from. And I want to read it and listen real close now. Do not misunderstand Many of them, even my sister, many of them called said, Miss Morgan, many of them as in last evening, Miss Morgan's one of our sisters that was given up and she's on the dead list in Louisville for 16, 17 years ago with cancer. I think she's sitting back here again tonight. She could not hear, she said, because I was speaking directly into the microphone. And for their sake, I want to go over this for a moment. Now I'm reading from this Scripture of Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one mind. Now, I like that better than one accord. Because you could be one accord upon most any subject, but here their minds was the same. One mind and in the same place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a violent wind rushing. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, not kneeling, not praying, but sitting. Divided tongues, T-O-N-G-U-E-S, tongues. 
divided, mean parted, tongues appeared unto them like fire. And one, one singular rested upon each one of them. And they were all filled and conjunction, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. When this was, and this report having been circulated, the multitude came together and were perplexed because every one heard the, him speak in his own language. Now notice, when the fire came, it was tongues. When they were speaking, it was language. Now there is a vast difference between tongues and languages. To us, it's all the same. But in Greek, tongue means this. Ears this, see? That doesn't mean a language. It means the part of your body that is a tongue. If you notice, it's translated tongues of fire, which means like tongues. Just like a lick of fire, a long blaze of fire. Now, watch the emphasis now. And each one of those places now, don't forget it. Now we're going to give a little drama tonight, and I'm going to leave it up to you. Now remember, if anything is contrary, that's up to you. But the only way that any person can ever get anything from God is by faith. And before you can... I've got to know what I'm doing before I can have faith in what I'm doing. Why would you marry your wife? You had faith in her. You tried her, watched her, seen what she come from, who she was. That's the way with the Scripture, with God. That's what makes these visions, the, this pillar of fire, all these things. Because God promised it. God said so. I've tested Him by His Word and know that it is the truth. And you follow His Word. Then if there's a little confusion somewhere, then there's something wrong somewhere. Because God, listen... God never did or never will work out of His own, uh, contrary to His own laws. The winter won't come in the summer and the summer won't come in the winter. The leaves won't fall off in the springtime and come on again in the fall. You just can't make it. As I've said last night about the artesian well, watering your crop, or... If you're standing out here in the middle of a field and it's black, dark, and you'd say, Oh, great electricity. I know you're in the field. Now, I'm lost. Don't know where I'm going. Give light so I can see how to walk. There's enough electricity to light the field up. That's true. Yes, sir. There's enough electricity in this room to light it without even them lights. Without that. But you have to govern it. Now, you might scream to that till you couldn't scream no more. It'll never light up. But if you work according to the laws of electricity, then you'll get light. Well, that's the same way it is by God. 
God is the great creator of heavens and earth, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still God. But He'll only work as you follow His laws and instructions. Friends, I say this. I've never seen it fail, and it won't. Now, let's notice. Jesus in Luke 24, 49 had commissioned the apostles after they had been saved and sanctified according to the Word. Justified by believing on the Lord Jesus. Sanctified at John 17, 17 when Jesus said, Sanctify them, Father, through the truth. Thy Word is the truth. And He was the Word. Now, gave them power to heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, and they come back rejoicing. And their names were on the Lamb's book of life. Remember how we've been through that now? But they wasn't yet converted. Jesus told Peter the night of his crucifixion, he said, after you are converted, then strengthen your brethren. The Holy Spirit's what you are believing unto eternal life. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it is eternal life. You're believing unto. You're begotten of the Spirit at sanctification, but never born to the Spirit until the Holy Ghost comes in. That's correct. A baby's got life in the womb of the mother. Little muscles are quivering. It's alive. But it's a different life when it breathes the breath of life into its nostrils. It's a different. That's what it is. It's my dear Methodist brother and Pilgrim Holiness and Nazarene, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is different from sanctification. Sanctification is a cleansing, which is preparation of life. But when the Holy Ghost comes, it is life. Preparation is cleaning the vessel. The Holy Ghost is filling the vessel. Sanctification means cleaned and set aside for service. The Holy Spirit is put it in service. You are the vessel that God's cleaned up. And we find out the Holy Ghost is God Himself in you. God was above you in the pillar of fire with Moses. God was with you in Jesus Christ. Now God is in you in the Holy Ghost. No three gods, one God working in three offices. God condescending, coming down from above, man, He couldn't touch Him. Because He sinned in the Garden of Eden and separated Himself from His fellowship. Then, what happened? He had to be above him. Blood of bulls and goats would not let him fellowship with man again. But through laws and ordinances foreshadowing this time coming of offering the bullocks and so forth and the sheep. Then when God came down and dwelt in a sanctified body, virgin born of a woman, that God himself you know what God did? He, no, he didn't have but just He placed His tent among ours. Amen. God dwelled in a tent called Jesus Christ. Amen. He just pitched His tent with us. Become, I'm preaching on that in the morning, so I better leave it alone. Now, that, how God tent or dwelt with us. And now, God is in us. Jesus said in John 14, and that day you'll know that I'm in the Father, the Father in me, and I and you and you and me. God in us. 
What was the purpose? To carry out His plan. God had a plan. He wanted to work among man. And He brought it in the pillar of fire, which was the mystic fire that hung over the children of Israel. Then that same fire was made manifest in the body of Jesus, and He said, He was that fire. Before Abraham was, I am. He was that fire. He said, I come from God and I go back to God. And after his death, burial, and resurrection, St. Paul met him on the road when his name is still Saul on the road to Damascus and he was again turned back to that pillar of fire. A light put his eyes out. That's right. And here he is today, the same pillar of fire. Same God doing the same signs, the same... That's why He's working among His people. He's in us. I, he is with you now, but I will be in you. I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the consummation, the end of the world. You'll be with us. Now notice, Jesus had commissioned them to go up at Jerusalem and wait. The word tarry means to wait. doesn't mean to pray means to wait. They was not fit subjects yet to preach because they only knew His resurrection by His person of seeing Him outside. He, he commanded them not to preach anymore, not to do nothing, until first they had been endued with power from on high. I don't believe that any preacher is a saint of God or can be correctly ordained because God is infinite. And what God does once, He does all the time. Now, if God would not let them preach until they went to Pentecost and received the Pentecostal experience, no man, unless some deep desire of his own or some organization has commissioned him, has the rights to enter a pulpit until he has been filled with the Holy Ghost. That's exactly right. Because he's leading them by an intellectual conception of some organization until he's filled with the Holy Ghost and then he is giving them the food of the dove. The lamb and the dove as we spoke of last evening. Now notice, he said, go up to Jerusalem and there remain. Just wait there until I send the promise of the Father. And then, what did they do? There was 120 of them, men and women. They went into an upper room at the temple. Now it was nearing the day of the Feast of Pentecost. From the cleansing of the sanctuary, the killing of the Paschal Lamb, until the, the coming of Pentecost, which was the first fruits of the harvest, the Jubilee. The Pentecostal Jubilee. And on the buildings, now, I've been in the countries. The Oriental countries seldom had a stairway inside. The stairway was outside. Outside the temple, we are told, there was a stairway that led up to a little room way along, go up and up and up till you get up to a little room up there like a storage room in the top of the temple. Some kind of a little room. An upper room. And the Bible said 
that they were in there and the doors were shut because they were afraid of the Jews. Because they'd pull them apart for worshiping the Lord Jesus after Caiaphas the high priest and Pontius Pilate and them had put him to death. So they were going to get rid of all the so-called Christians and the doors were shut and they were waiting. Now in those rooms like that, there is no windows. Windows was little barred things with doors like you pulled open. In those rooms are little grease lamps that hangs down and burn. If you're ever in California, at Clifton's cafeteria, go down in the basement and you'll find one of the very similar kind of the upper room. Have you ever been there? How many in here has been there? I see people nodding your head. Well, you know what I'm speaking of. All right. Go down there and you'll see the Garden of Gethsemane. Before you do, you go into one of those oriental rooms. That's exactly truth. There you find a little a lamp full of olive oil with a little uh, wool wick leaning in it, burning. Now let's say they were up there, climbed around on this outside. They got up there and hid themselves because they were afraid of the Jews. Jesus didn't tell them to go to the upper room. He just said, wait at Jerusalem. They were down here in a house, hard to tell what would take place. They'd come in and get them, so they went to a little old room in the upstairs, way up there in the attic. And there barred the room down so the Jews couldn't get into them. And they sat there waiting for ten days. Now, now we're in Acts 1. Now listen close. Now you got the picture? Outside the building, the little stairway went up and they went into this little room. Down in the temple, they were having the Feast of Pentecost. Oh, there was a great time going on. Now, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one mind. One mind believing that God was going to send that promise. Let every person in here get in that same mind tonight and see what takes place. It's got to repeat. It's a promise just the same as they had. See, what were they doing? Following the instructions. Following the, the, the laws of God. Wait until. Now they were scared of the Jews. Now remember that. They were afraid of the Jews. Now all of a sudden, there came a sound like a rushing wind. It was no rushing wind. It was like a rushing wind. I'll read the comments just in a few minutes on the translator. It was like a rushing wind. In other words, it was a supernatural wind. Oh. Something they could feel. The wind was inside them. There come a, a rushing wind. Like as a rushing wind. The wind wasn't rushing, but it just sounded like a rushing wind. Like something going... Did you ever feel it? Oh, my. Like a rushing wind. Now watch. And it filled... Now in here it said all the... But in the Greek it said the whole capital. W-H-O-L-E. The whole house. Every we're in there, every crack, corner, and crevice seemed to be full of it. 
Not say, say, brother, do you feel what I feel? No. It was all over. Amen. Like a rushing wind. Now watch. There came a sound as a rushing mighty wind. And conjunction. I watch them ands. If you don't, you make it say something it doesn't say. See? And like that's what taking place first was a sound, something like a, a rushing wind come over them. And you remember last night I went to the grocery and bought a loaf of bread and some meat. That something went with it. The bread's one thing, the meat's another. And the sound was one thing that struck them. And there appeared unto them, before them, tongues, divided tongues. Did anybody in here ever see Cecil's The Mill Ten Commandments? Did you notice when the commandments was being written, how he caught it? I didn't know there's two or three things that I've seen in it that I really like. First thing is that emerald light. That's exactly what it looks like. See? Another thing was when the commandment was written and after it was over, did you notice flying away from that big pillar of fire, there was little licks of fire flying away? Did you notice that? Now that's what I think this was at Pentecost. There appeared unto them, so they could see it. It didn't say there fell in them, but there appeared unto them licks, we'll call it, tongues, like tongue, like this tongue here, shape of the tongue, lick of fire. Now, ears, I said, ear is ear, finger is finger. Finger don't mean you felt it, it means it looked like a finger. And if it was the ear, it didn't mean they heard it, it looked like an ear. This was fire that looked like a tongue. Not someone speaking. A fire that looked like a tongue. Now this watch how the Greek reads it here. And suddenly there came a sound like a Russian mighty wind, the third the third verse. And divided tongues appeared to them. Not divided tongues was in them, or they were speaking with a divided tongue. It was a divided tongues appeared to them. Now watch, it's not on them yet. It's there in the room, circling around, like in this wind. To them, like fire, divided tongues appeared uh, to them. That's before them. Like fire. Tongues like fire. And one singular rested on each one of them. Not went in them, but rested on them. Amen. I see how the King James would throw it off, and cloven tongues come up on them or rested. How was it reading King James there? Sat up on them. See. Now it couldn't go up there and sit down. We know that. But the original said it rested upon them. I believe, isn't it? Let me get it exactly true. Yeah, rested upon each one of them. One tongue of fire rested upon each one of them. See there? Do you get it? That's the second thing taking place. First was a wind. Then the appearing of tongues of fire. It's in this little groom here, these little grease lamps burning. Think of them sitting up there. And one says, Oh, 
and looked all over the building. It was all over the building. Then they said, Look! Tongues of fire began to oh, coming around in the building. Now watch. And there appeared these tongues of fire. Now watch the next. And another conjunction, something else happened. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Second thing taking place. I see we want to change that around. Said they had tongues of fire in here, jabbering around, and then went out and began to speak with the unknown tongue. There's no such a thing as that in the Scriptures, friend. Anyone who speaks with the unknown tongue upon receiving the Holy Ghost does it contrary to the Bible. And I'm going to show you in a few minutes and prove to you I believe in speaking in unknown tongues, but not receiving the Holy Ghost. That's a gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. Now watch. These tongues were in the room like fire and it set upon each. Then they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Second thing. And then after they were filled with the Holy Ghost spake with tongues not with tongues with languages. Do you notice that? They begin to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them to utter. Now, this was noised abroad. Now watch. Now let's get the illustration again so you won't forget it now. According to Scripture, in the upper room waiting, suddenly a sound like a rushing wind that was up on them. That was the Holy Spirit. How many believes that that was the appearing of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Like a wind, the supernatural wind. Then they noticed, and out in there was little tongues of fire, 120 of them, and began to settle down and set up on each of them. What was it? What was it? The pillar of fire, which was God Himself dividing Himself among His people, Amen. coming into the people. Jesus had the whole thing. He had the Spirit without measure. We get it by measure. You see what I mean? Because we're adopted children. His life, His eternal life is coming in. Now, what happened? Then they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now I want to ask you something. When was the rumor started? If they had to come out of that upper room to go down that steps and get out into the palace courts or out into to the temple courts, which was probably a city block from where they were at, upstairs and down, out into the courts where all the people were gathered together. And they come out of there drunken like on the Spirit. For the people said, these men are full of new wine. They never seen anything like it. And each one was trying to say, the Holy Spirit has come. The promise of God is upon me. I've been filled with the Spirit. And him being a Galilean, the man that he is speaking to, an Arab or a Persian, heard him in his own language. How hear we, not an unknown tongue, how hear we every man in the tongue wherein we were born? 
Are not all of these that speaking are Galileans? I was perhaps speaking Galilean. But when they heard it, it was in the language they were born in. If not so, I want you to ask me, answer this question. How was it that Peter got up there and spoke in Galilean and the whole bunch heard what he was saying? Three thousand souls came to Christ right there and Peter speaking in one language. Sure. It was God performing a miracle. Peter to the same audience that were made up of dwellers of Macedonian strangers and proselytes and everything from all the whole world was standing there. And Peter standing preaching in one language. And every man heard him for 3,000 repented and was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ right away. How was that? See, friends, I can't expect my denominational Pentecostal brethren to accept that right now. But you trace that through the Bible and tell me any time where they ever received the Holy Ghost and spoke in a tongue that they didn't know what they were speaking in. And if that's the way they got it there, the sovereign God, it has to happen every time the same way. Now, I cannot, now at the house of Carnet, we remember, when we went down to Samaria last night, we found out there was one thing recorded about them hearing in any other tongue. Nothing said about it. But when they went to the house of Cornelius, where there were three different nationalities of people, they spoke in tongues. And when they did, if they did, they got it, Peter said, the same way they got it at the beginning. And they know the Gentiles had received grace from God because they had received the Holy Ghost just like they did at the beginning. I've got a question here, something on that in a few minutes. I want to lay the foundation so you'll see what it is. Now, I can't expect people who's been taught different. And listen to me, my dear, precious Pentecostal brethren. I wouldn't teach this outside. This is, I wouldn't do nothing to cause controversy. But if we don't get the truth, when we go to get started... We've got to have something to take place here to straighten us out. We've got to get rapture and grace here now. Amen. Truth has to come forth. What would a man do if he was deaf and dumb and couldn't speak at all? Could he receive the Holy Ghost? What if he had no tongue to begin with and the poor fellow wanted to be saved? See? It's the Holy Spirit is a baptism. And then all these gifts like speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, is after you come into the body by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For those gifts are in the body of Christ. Now, the reason I say, now look here, could you expect the Catholic Church, which was the first organized church in the world, as the apostles, then the Catholic Church was organized or oh, several hundred years after the death of the last apostle, some 600 years after the apostles, right after the Nicene Council. 
When the Nicene fathers got together and organized, then they put the universal church, which is Catholic church. In there, they made up a world church. And the word Catholic means universal. That's everywhere. The Roman, pagan Rome, was converted to Papal Rome, and they set up a pope to be the head to take the place of Peter, which they thought and said that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom, and that pope was infallible and is yet today to the Catholic Church, that his word is law and order. He's the infallible pope. That went through, and then because that they would not agree with this Catholic doctrine, they were put to death, burnt to the stake, and everything else. We all know that through the sacred writings of Josephus and the Fox Book of the Martyrs and many of the other sacred hostages to Babylons and the, the great histories. Then, after 1,500 years, as we know, of dark ages, the Bible was taken from the people. And it was, it was hid by a little monk and so forth. We understand. Then... After that come the first Reformation, which was Martin Luther. And he stepped out and said that the communion that the Catholic called the body, literal body of Christ, it only represented the body of Christ. And he threw the communion on the altar rail or on the steps and refused to call it the literal body of Christ and preached the just shall live by faith. Now, you can't expect the Catholic Church to agree with him. Certainly not. When their infallible head tells them no. All right. Then after Martin Luther preaching justification, John Wesley come along preaching sanctification. And he preached that a man after being justified, it's all right, but you've got to be sanctified. Cleanse the root of evil taken out of you by the blood of Jesus. Now, you can't expect the Luthers to preach sanctification because they're not going to do it. After Wesley preached sanctification and many little break-offs from it, which come the Wesleyan Methodists and the Nazarene and so forth, which kept the fire burning through their age, then come along Pentecost and said, while the Holy Ghost is a baptism, we speak with tongues with getting it. Sure. Then when that come along, you couldn't expect the Nazarenes and the Wesleyan Methodists and so forth to believe that. They wouldn't do it. They called it the devil. All right, what happened? They began falling. Pentecost began rising. Now it's rose to a place till Pentecost has got it shaken. It's organized and went out. Don't accept nothing else. They've got their own rules and regulations and that settles it. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes in and reveals the truth of anything and proves it by His own presence... And by His Word, you can't expect the Pentecostal people to say, I'll agree with it. You've got to stand alone like Luther did, like Wesley did, like the rest of them did. You've got to stand on that because the hour is here. And that's what makes me an ugly duckling. That's what makes me different. And I can't get started like my precious brother, Old Roberts, and Tommy Osborne, Tommy Hicks, and them because the churches won't agree with me. They say he believes in eternal security. He's a Baptist. He don't believe in speaking in tongues as initial evidence of the Holy Ghost. Get away from that guy. See? But come face to face with it. Amen. Face it down. Amen. They can face the Lutherans. The Methodists can. The Pentecostal can face the Methodists. I can face the Pentecostal with it. It's exactly right. 
darkness. True. Why is it? We're walking in the light as He is in the light. See, we're moving up the King's highway, and farther it comes, more grace is given, more power is given, more supernatural is given, and there we are. This is the hour to where the Holy Spirit has come down in the form of a light like He was at the beginning, a pillar of fire, and has manifested Himself doing the very same things that He did when He was here on earth. And Jesus said, How do you know whether they're right or not? By their fruits you shall know them. He that believeth in me the works that I do shall he do also. These signs shall follow them that believe. Now, my Pentecostal brethren, I'm with you. I'm one of you. I've got the Holy Ghost. I have spoken tongues, but I didn't get it upon receiving the Holy Ghost. I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues, prophesied, had gifts of knowledge, wisdom, interpretations, and everything happening. But I'm subject to any of those things because now I'm a child of God. The power, the fire of God is in my soul. That tongue of fire that's set up, come on the inside of it, burn out everything as contrary to God. And now I'm led by His Spirit. He can say, go here, I'll go. Go here, I'll go. Speak here, I'll speak. Do this, that, that. There you are, this time. You're led by the Spirit. That's God in you working His will. No matter what it is, He's working His will. Now, listen. Let me see. read here before we start the questions on the lexicon here. Now, from Vatican Translation, Volume 7, 1205, it is difficult to determine whether it was the voice of those people speaking in a foreign language or the report or rumor of the transaction of the supernatural wind rushing that excited the crowd. They couldn't understand another watch. Whether it was the people, uh, this illustrate, here's a bunch of poor, ragged Galileans. And here they are out there in the street. They've never seen anything like it. Their hands up in the air. Come from that upper room, down them steps, out into there. Just feel they never spoke yet. See? Here they come down through there. And now, let's say, they were out there staggering around in this, and the people said, well, a Greek run up to me and said, I speak Galilean. You run up to me and say, And what's the matter with you, boy? I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. The power of God fell up there in that room. Something happened to me. Oh, glory to God. And another one over here, he's talking to an Arab, and him a Galilean saying Arab language. Now they can't tell, was it the Russian wind that it called the people together when the multitude came together? Or was it speaking in the foreign language that they were speaking? Now, the Bible doesn't exactly... You've got two things you can watch. It was it, the uh, outsider said, How is it that we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? It did not say that they were speaking it, but they were hearing it. Amen. Then, the same group, the same people, explain this. Peter jumped upon something and said, Ye men of Galilee and you that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known unto you. People said they didn't have Galilean language. Let this be known unto you 
and hearken to my words. What, what language is he speaking into all of them? For these are not drunk, as you suppose since the third hour of the day, but this is that Amen. which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. On and on he went and said, You with wicked hands have crucified the innocent Son of God. David spoke of him, not leave his soul in hell, neither will he suffer his, whole, suffer his Holy One to see corruption. And said, Let it be known unto you that God's made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen. And when they heard this, Amen. 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 who every man of the heavens, Amen. what was taking place? Amen. He wasn't saying, I'll speak in Galilee, and I'll speak in this, and I'll speak in this. Yes. Well, Peter spake these words. Amen. They said, men and brethren, what can we do to be saved? And Peter gave him the former. That's what always happens. Amen. See? It's moving up, pressing into God. Close walk. How do you know? Well, now when Luther received justification, he called that the Holy Ghost. It was. God dipped a little of it in. Then he said, why? Wesley received sanctification. He said, boy, when you shout, you got it. <laughs> but a lot of them shouted and didn't have it. When Pentecost spoke in tongues, unknown tongues, they said, boy, you got it. But a lot of them didn't have it. There's no such things as them signs of knowing that. The only way you know a tree, Jesus said, is by the fruit that it bears. Amen. The works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Then when you see a person that's filled with power, that's filled with the Holy Ghost, then you see a life that's changed. Amen. You see these signs following them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues. If a snake had bite them, it wouldn't hurt them. If they had a deadly thing drinking, it wouldn't kill them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. My, these kind of signs follows them that believe. But how do you get into it? Them gifts are in the body. How do you get in the body? Not by speaking your way in, but by baptizing into one body, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. One spirit, we're all baptized into that body and subject to all the gifts. The Lord bless you. Uh, if someone should hear this tape or someone here would disagree, remember, do it friendly, brother, because I love you. The first question tonight. Brother Branham, I think television is a curse to the world. What do you think about it? <laughs> well, ever who wrote it, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> they have made it a curse to the world. It could be a blessing to the world. But they've made it a curse. Anything like that, my dear people... Is what you look at yourself. If television is a curse, then the newspaper is a curse. Then the radio is a curse. And many times the telephone is. 
It's what you make out of it. But being that the brother said the other night that there's hardly any programs on the television anymore, there's too much money. If poor preachers that preaches the full gospel can't afford a program on the television. So therefore, brother said the other night, it'll be somewhere, it's a dust off your radio or somebody, or bring it back out of the corner and listen to them programs. That's right. But dear person, ever who you are, I certainly agree with you, it's become one of the most damnable things to the human race. In there, they take all this sure money that should go to the government for taxes and put it off in advertising on all this cigarette and whiskey programs and things like that and write it off the government's taxes and then they come around and get preachers and pull them through the court to get a little money out of them. I agree with you. It's an awful thing. <laughs> now, that's not, you know, just something you find. Thank you, sister, brother, ever who you was that answered. Now, here's a good one. Question. There is places in the Bible, such as 1 Samuel 18.10, which says an evil spirit from God did things. I do not understand an evil spirit from God. Please explain this. Well, maybe by the help of the Lord, I can. It doesn't mean that God is an evil spirit. But every spirit of everything is subject to God. And He makes everything work according to what He will. See? Now, on your question, you're talking about the evil spirit that went out from God to torment Saul. He was in a moody, broke down, shape condition. Because, first place, he was backslid. And when you backslide, an evil spirit, God will permit an evil spirit to torment you. I would like to read to you something in a moment. I've got another thought on here. See, every spirit has to be subject to God. Do you remember when Jehoshaphat and uh, Ahab was going out to war and the first thing you know there was, um, they were set up in the gates and Jehoshaphat was a righteous man and he said the two kings sat there and they joined their forces together and so he said, let's consult the Lord about where we go out or not. And Ahab went and got 400 prophets that he had all kept them fed and fattened and everything. They were in good shape. And they come up there and they all prophesied with one accord, said, go up and God will give you the victory. Go up to Ramoth Gilead in there. God will take the thing for you. One of them made himself a pair of horns and began to run around as an illustration said, buy these iron horns. You'll push them plenty out of the country. Belongs to you. But you know, there's something about a man of God that just don't go for all of that. See? If it don't ring out with the Scripture, there's something wrong. Any true believer. So, Jehoshaphat said, well, them 400 looks all right. They look like good men. Oh, they are, perhaps Ahab said. But Jehoshaphat said, have you got one more? <laughs> Why one more when you got 400 with one accord? Because he knew there was something that didn't sound just right. 
He said, yes, we have got one more. The son of Emlyn up here said, but I hate him. <laughs> you close this church anytime you can. You'll run him out of the country, see? Sure, I hate him. Why do you hate him? He's always prophesying evil against me. I believe Jehoshaphat knowed right then there was something wasn't right. So it said, go up and get Micah. So they went up after him, and here he come down. So when they went up, they sent a messenger and said, now, wait a minute. Now that we got 400 doctors of divinity down there. They're the best there is in the country, with PH, double LDs, and everything. Said, now, you know, you poor little unlearned man, you're not going to disagree with all that clergy. Emlyn said this, or I mean, Micah said this. I'll not say nothing till God puts it in my mouth and then I'll say exactly what He said. I like that. I like that. In other words, I'll stay with the Word. No matter what the rest of them said. He said, well, said, I'm telling you, if you want to be thrown out, you better say the same thing. So he went down there and he said, Shall I go up? He said, Go ahead. He said, Give me tonight. Let me talk it over with the Lord. I like that. So that night the Lord appeared to him, and the next day he go up, and he said, It was going up. He said, Go ahead. But I've seen Israel like sheep without a shepherd scattered on the hills. Oh, my. That let the wind out of him. And he said, Didn't I tell you? I know it. That's exactly the way he does all the time, saying something evil against me. Why? He was staying with the Word. Why? A prophet before him, the Word of God, coming from Elijah, the real prophet. He said, Because you shed the blood of innocent Naboth, the dogs will lick your blood too. And he told him evil. Elisha done went to heaven. But he knew that Elisha had the Word of God, so he stayed with Amen. the Word. Amen. I like that. Yes. Stay with the Word. If the Bible said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, His power is yet the same, the Holy Ghost is for whosoever will let Him come. Stay with the Word. Amen. Yes, sir. No matter what the rest of them say, how well fed and how many schools they went through, that has nothing to do with it. So then, he said, this great big fellow with the horns on his head, go to push it, the country out from beyond the king. He walked up and smacked him in the mouth, this little preacher. He noticed he's just a little holy roller, so there wasn't, nothing would be said about it. So he just smacked him in the mouth. He said, I want to ask you something. He said, which way did the Spirit of God go when it went out of me, if you got it? He said, you'll understand when you're set in the cage as a captive. He said, i seen God sitting on a throne. Amen. Now listen. And the host of heaven was gathered around him. What was the matter? His prophet had already said what was going to happen to Ahab. God, that wasn't it. Elijah said that. That was the anointed prophet. That was the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. And Micah said, I've seen all the host of heaven gathered around God in a great conference. And they were talking one with another. And the Lord said, 
Who can we get to go down? Which one of you can go down and deceive Ahab to get him out there to fulfill the Word of God? To get him shot? Who can we get to go down? Well, the one was saying this one or that one. And after a while, an evil spirit, a lying spirit, come up from underneath and said, if you'll just permit me, I'm a lying spirit. I'll go down and get in all them preachers because they haven't got the Holy Ghost. And I'll make them, they're just school trained boys. And I'll go down and get in every one of them and deceive them and make them prophesy a lie. Did he say it? And he said, that's the way we'll deceive them. So he went down, he said, God said, you have my permission to go. And he went down and got into those false prophets, school trained ministry, and made them prophesy a lie. It was a lying spirit working to the will of God. Amen. Let me just something else you might see here just a minute. Watch this. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the first verse just a minute. 1 Corinthians. And watch this. If you want to see something of God making something, how that those evil spirits, how that they'll, they'll move. All right. Paul speaking. It is reported commonly that there's fornications among you and such fornications that it is not named among the Gentiles. What do you think about that amongst the church? That one should have his father's wife and ye are puffed up and have not, let's see, I believe I turned two pages. You are, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that, oh, wait a minute here, am I? Yeah, yeah mourn, that's it, puffed up and have not mourned. That he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. I don't know, I don't believe that anyone would say unto this, are cutting back, but I'm only defending what I believe on if a man is once filled with the Spirit, he cannot lose it. See? See? For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. God telling the Holy Church, which is His body here on earth. That, now this is after the Old Testament in the New telling a man that was so filthy and dirty amongst the people that he lived with his own father's wife, said such a thing in the body of Christ, you church, turn him over to the devil for the destruction. See, God permits the 
And when he got something he asked to see done, to put a whip on somebody, he'll turn an evil spirit loose on them so that they'll torment that person and bring them back. Now we find out this man after, that's what's the matter with the churches today. When a man comes into the body of Christ and becomes one of the members and starts doing evil, instead of you all getting together and doing this very same thing, and you, Branham Tabernacle, do that. Because as long as you're holding him up, he's under the blood. And he just keeps doing the same old thing over and over and over all the time. You get together and turn him over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit is, that might be saved in the day of the Lord. Watch the whip of God come in. Watch the devil take a hold of him. That's the evil spirit gets him. And this boy here straightened out. He come back. We find out in Second Corinthians where he really cleaned up before God. Look at Job. A perfect man, a just man. And God permitted the evil devil to come upon him and chastise him and everything else for the perfecting of his spirit. See? So evil spirits, has God uses evil spirits many times to work out his plan and his will. Now here's one that's really a sticker. Question. I think it's the same person because it looks like the same handwriting. If a person must have the Holy Ghost to be, uh, has the Holy Ghost to be converted and to go in the rapture, what will be the state of children that have died before the years of accountability, and when will they rise? Now, my brother, sister, I cannot tell you that. There's no scripture on it in the Bible as I can find anywhere. But I can express my thoughts. Now, this will strengthen you that believes in grace of God. You see, the person wants to know, which is a very good question, see. The person wants to know what resurrection, what will happen to a baby that if you have to have the Holy Ghost, in order to go in the rapture, as I said, that's right. That's according to the Bible. That's a teaching of the Scripture. Not to, come, not to go to heaven. Because the Holy Ghost-filled people is the first resurrection, the elect. And the remnant of those, the rest of the dead, live not for a thousand years. After the millennium, then the second resurrection, the great white throne judgment. See, that's exactly Bible order. But... This person wants to know what about these babies? In other words, did they have the Holy Ghost before they were born? Did they receive it? Now, that I cannot tell you. But now, let us say like this. We know that babies that die regardless of their parent, they are saved. Now, I disagree with the school of prophets on that. They said if it was died with a parent that was sinful, that that baby would go to hell. Right away. There'd be no more to it. Well, Jesus, John said when Jesus come, Behold the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. And if that baby was a human being, which would have to come under the judgments of God, and Jesus died to take away the sin. All sin was expelled before God when Jesus died for that purpose. 
Your sins were forgiven. My sins were forgiven. And the only way that you can ever be forgiven is to accept His pardon. Now the baby cannot accept its pardon, so it hasn't done nothing. It hasn't done nothing at all. So it is absolutely freely to go to heaven. But you would say, will they go in the rapture? Now, now this is my own word. This is my thought. Now, I, don't, I can't prove this by the Bible. But look, if God, before the foundation of the world, knew every human being would ever be on earth, do you believe that? Amen. He knew every gnat, every flea, every fly. Yes. He knew everything that would ever be on the earth. If he knew that, look, let's take, for instance, Moses. When Moses was born, he was a prophet. Before Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, before you was even formed in your mother's womb, before you was ever formed in her womb, I knew you and sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. John the Baptist, 712 years before he was born, Isaiah saw him in a vision, said he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. The predestination or the foreknowledge of God knows all about the little babies. See? What they were to do, and he knew they would die. He knew nothing can happen without God knowing about it. Nothing can happen to, just like the good shepherd, how he goes in. Now, to take this for Scripture, I couldn't say the Scripture says so and so. I'm just taking it for my thought. Now, the next question is one I think that Maybe someone was what I said the other night. Explain a wife being saved by bearing a child. The wife isn't saved by bearing a child. But let's turn now to First Timothy two eight just a minute. And let's just find out what the Bible says about the child. Now I realize that's a Catholic doctrine. That the Catholic says a woman is saved in childbearing. By bearing a child. But let's not, I don't believe that. First Timothy, the second chapter, and let's begin at the eighth verse. And read just a moment now. All right, listen. In like manner also that your women adore themselves in modest apparel. We oughtn't to ask that, should we? Listen to this. With shamefacedness. And sobriety. Not with broading a hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Brother, and I'm helping you here, I hope. <laughs> All these new bonnets every day or three days to see, that ain't become Christians. But which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let your women learn in silence with all subjections. But I suffer not a woman to teach or to usurp authority over man, but to be silent. For Adam was first formed, and then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if... 
Now, he's not talking to the woman of the world having babies. If she continues in faith. See, if she continues, she's already... That's the woman he's talking about. The woman's already saved. See? And charity and holiness with all sobriety. Not by having a baby makes her saved. But because that she is raising children, doing her duty, not raising uh, cats, dogs, and what more take the place of a child as they do today. Giving it a mother's love so she can go out and run around all night. Some people do that. Sorry, but they do it. That's awful rude for me to say, but the truth is the truth. They don't want a baby to be tied down with it. But in childbearing, if she continues in faith, holiness, and all sobriety, she'll be saved. But the if is, you shall be saved too if you're born again. You shall... You can be healed if you believe. You can receive the Holy Ghost if you believe it. Get ready for it. If you are ready for it. And she shall be saved if she keeps doing these things. See, But not because she's a woman. So that's right, brother, sister. It isn't a Catholic teaching at all. Now, I want... Here's another one, which is a very sticky one. Then we got one more. I think maybe we have time for it. I'll just tuck up our time. Now, this is just this is just the after effects of the revival. This is the after effects of the meeting. These questions. Now, Brother Branham, typewritten. Is it scripture for a person to speak in tongues and to interpret his own message? If so, please explain. 1 Corinthians or Corinthians 14.19 and also Corinthians 14.27. All right, let's go over that prescription. See what it says. And then we'll see whether we keep this scriptural. We want to always be scriptural. And Corinthians 14. Now, the person wants to know if it's scriptural for a man to interpret his own message that he spoke in tongues. If so, explain Corinthians 14, 19. Let's see, 14 and 19. All right, here we are. Yet in the churches I rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 in unknown tongues. Now, the next one is the 27th verse they want to know. If any man speaks in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at most by three, and that by courses, and let one interpret. Now, I take what the person's trying to get at, which I want, I'm going to read something to you just a moment. But I think what the brother or sister is trying to get at, is it right for a person that's speaking in tongues to also interpret the message that he said? 
Now, dear beloved friend, if you'll just read the 13th verse of the same chapter, it'll tell you. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Sure, he can interpret his own message. Now, if we just, it's just, you read the, all of it here, you see it's, just read that whole chapter. It's very good, explains it. Now, speaking in tongues, now while we're on that, and this being taped, I want to say that I believe just as much in speaking in tongues as I believe in divine healing and uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the second coming of Christ, and uh, the power of the world to come. I believe just as much in that as I believe, but I believe speaking in tongues has its place. Just like the coming of Christ has its place. Divine healing has its place. Everything has its place. Now, to you people, I've got a chance to say this now, and I like to explain it. And if I'm hurt anyone, I don't mean it. I don't mean to cause confusion. But listen, what's been the matter with speaking in unknown tongues by the Pentecostal people, which is myself? I am Pentecostal. Now, what's been the trouble is this, that they don't reverence it. And another thing, they just let it go at random. They don't come back to the Word. Now listen, here's the way... Let, Here's the way the church is set up. Now, in a Pentecostal church, if I was pastor in this church, I'll tell you how I would have it set up. See, if I was a, would be here all the time to pastor, I would subscribe to every gift in the Bible to believers first to be baptized into the Holy Ghost, and then every gift of 1 Corinthians 12 would have to be operating in my church. If I could get them in there, the whole body operating. Now, if you notice, not making remarks now, and remember, I wouldn't say one word contrary. I might blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And God knows I wouldn't say that wrong. See? But I'm only saying this to try to give you the view of the Scripture after studying it now for nearly 20 years. I've been preaching for nearly 30 years. And I've just been through everything, just pulled through. You can imagine what it's been like. And watching every man and their doctrine the world over and taking it because it's my interest. It's the interest to human beings besides myself. I've got to leave here. You've got to leave here. And if I go as a false prophet, I'll lose my own soul and lose yours with me. So it's more than it's more than daily bread. It's more than popularity. It's more than anything else. It's life to me. See? And I want to always be the very deepest of sincere. Now, you go into a Pentecostal church, the first thing, I don't mean all of them. Some of them are one, most time. You get into a church and start preaching. While you're preaching, someone will raise up and speak in tongues. Now, that dear person may be perfectly filled with the Holy Ghost, and that may be the Holy Ghost speaking through that person. But the thing of it is, they're untrained. If this minister at the platform is under inspiration speaking, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. Yes, amen. See? 
Let all things be done. Now, get over here and Paul, why it says that. When one speaks and so forth, when he come in, there's just a confusion. Now, I've been making an altar call and someone raised up and speak in tongues. It just, well, you just might as well quit making the altar call. It stops it. See? And then another thing. A lot of times, people are raised up and speak in tongues and people sat chewing, chewing gum, looking around. If God's a speaking, keep still. Listen. If that's the truth, if that is the Holy Ghost speaking to that person, you sit still and listen. Be reverent. The interpretation might come to you. See? Sit still. Listen for an interpretation. Now, if there is no interpreter in the church, then they're supposed to hold their peace in the body. And then when they speak with the unknown tongue, the Bible said, let them speak to themselves, to them and God. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now that's unknown tongues. Dialects, languages is different. There are nothing he says, but what makes a sound has a meaning. But you, if a trumpet sounds, you've got to know what it sounds like. Just blow it or you won't know how to prepare yourself for battle. If anyone's speaking in tongues and just toot, that's all there is to it. Who knows what to do? But if it starts to reveille, that means get up. If it blows the taps, that means get down. <laughs> See? If it blows the charge, that means charge. It's got to give a meaning. And just not just speaking alone. So in the church, if there is no interpreter, but that if there is an interpreter then tongues are what belongs in the church. Now, to your question, dear friend, that says, I'd rather speak 5,000, uh, uh, five words, and, un and so people can understand me, than 5,000 or whatever more here it says, uh, an unknown tongue, that's true. But read on down, except it be by revelation, or by interpretation, to edification. See? To edify. Now, I'll just kind of give you a little notion. What if, what if, if I was to pastor this church is coming? If God would call me to pastor, here's the way I'd run it. I'd try to find every person in there that had a gift. And I'd have those people to meet about an hour before the services ever started in a room to themselves. Let them sit under the Spirit. And the first thing you know, one comes down, you got to spit. Gift of speaking in tongues. And he speaks in tongues. Everybody sits still. Then one raises up and interprets what he says. Now before that can be given to the church, the Bible says it has to be judged between two or three witnesses. Now that is man who has discernment of spirit. See? Because a lot of times evil powers gets in there. Paul spoke of it. But then God's power is in there too. Tell me a congregation where evil doesn't set. Tell me where the sons of God are gathered together Satan isn't in the midst of them. It's everything. So don't frown at that. See? Satan's everywhere. Now here we are. Someone speaks in tongues. Now these three sitting there that's got the spirit of discernment. And one speaks in tongues and gives a message. Now it cannot be quoting Scripture. Because God don't use vain repetitions and He told us not to, see. So it isn't that. It's a message to the church. We've had two things in this revival so far. Watch what each one of them was. 
perfect, right on the dot, see, moved in. One man raised up and spoke in tongues and gave the interpretation, swung right back around and vindicated that message and just went forth. The other one raised the other night and said in a, under the inspiration of prophecy and said something not knowing what he was saying. And then at the end he spoke out, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Quickly something caught me right quick and said, Otherwise, blessed is he who believes that this is the Lord has come. Amen. The wow. Then the Holy Spirit fell in the building last night. Amen. See, that's for edification. I was standing there trying to tell the people that they must receive the Holy Ghost. And the devil had come in around the people saying, don't listen, sit still. My sister said, Bill, I was so happy while you were preaching. Felt like I could have raised up and jumped to the wall. I said, raise up and jump. That's all. And she said, but when you went to doing that, said the people began shouting. Said then, I just felt like I was an old nothing. I said, that's the devil. That's Satan. When he come in to do that, I said, then you should raise up anyhow. We are priests to God, making spiritual sacrifice. Sacrifice the fruits of our lips, giving praise to His name. Yes, amen. See? Now, now here's what happens. Then the Holy Spirit broke, for that was just, Blessed is he who believeth that... Two, three nights straight I tried to lay that in there. And then the Holy Spirit spoke and said, under inspiration, said, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And before I could say anything, I done said it over. Blessed is he who believes the Lord has come in this, you see. And I've just been talking as the Holy Ghost is God Himself in you. And they'd caught it. Then the Holy Ghost fell among the people. See how it edifies? Prophecy. Now there's a difference between prophecy and a prophet. Prophecy goes from one to another, but a prophet is born from the cradle. A prophet. They have thus saith the Lord. No judging of them. You don't see them stand for Isaiah or Jeremiah and the prophets because they had thus saith the Lord. But a spirit of prophecy amongst the people. You have to watch that because Satan will slip in there. See? Now, but it must be judged. Now, we're, we're going to have a revival. Now watch this real close now, you ministers. We're fixing a revival. All right? Or maybe we're just having regular church service. The church is on fire. It should be all the time. Yeah. Well, maybe we got five or six people that's gifted people. One speaks with tongues. Two or three maybe speaks with tongues. Four or five with tongues. Got the gift of tongues. Uh, speaking in unknown tongues. Two or three of them can interpret. Maybe there's one, two or three of them that's got gifts of wisdom. All right? They all meet those gifted people. You, them gifts are given to you not to play with. Amen. Not to say, glory to God, I speak with tongues, hallelujah. You're, you're, you're degrading yourself. They're given to you to work with. Amen. And your part in the church should come before the main service starts because the unlearned it is going to be among us. Then you get off into the room and you sit there, you people together, because you're co-workers in the gospel. Then you sit there. Lord, is there anything you want us to know tonight? Speak to us, O Heavenly Father, offering prayer, supplications, saying songs. Directly down comes the Spirit. Falls on somebody. 
speaks in tongues. One rises up and says, Thus saith the Lord. What is it? Listen. Go tell Brother Jones to move away from the place where he's living. For tomorrow afternoon, there will be a cyclone sweep that country. And it's going to take his house. Take his goods and get away. Now, that, that sounds good. But wait a minute. There has to be three men there that's got the spirit of discernment. One of them say, it was of the Lord. The other say, it was of the Lord. That's two against three. Two or three witnesses. All right. They write that down on a piece of paper. That's what the Spirit said. All right. They go back to praying, thanking the Lord. After a while, thus saith the Lord. A prophet raises up. Thus saith the Lord. Tonight, coming from New York City, will be a woman. She's on a stretcher. She'll come into the building on a stretcher. She has a green scarf around her head. She's dying with cancer. What's caused her to be this way? The Lord holds against her. One time she stole money from his church when she was 16 years old. Tell Brother Ram to tell her these things. Thus saith the Lord, if she'll make that right, she shall be healed. Wait a minute. That sounds awful good, but wait a minute. You go put your name on this paper, discerner. You go put your name. It was of the Lord. One said, it was of the Lord. Then, then you write it down. Thus saith the Lord. Tonight there'll be a woman come in, certain, certain things. The one with the discernment of spirit, two or three of them signed their name to it. All these messages are given. All right. Then after a while, they begin to hear the bell ring. Churches begin to take up. Then they bring these messages. Lay them right here on the desk. Right here. It's where they're supposed to be laying. I'm off somewhere studying, praying. After a while, I walk out. After the songs are being sung. The church is all in order. People coming, sitting, meditating, praying. That's what you're supposed to do. Not come to church and talk one with another. Come to the church to talk to God. Have your fellowship out there. See? We're fellowshipping with God now. And we come here talking. Everything quietly, reverently. The Spirit moving. The pianists come to the piano about five minutes before the song service starts. Start real sweetly. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down there for cleansing from sin. I cried. Or some good sweet song. Real quietly. It brings the presence of the Holy Ghost into the meeting. See, All right. The people sitting there, some of them are real. Start weeping. Come up the altar. Repent before the service ever starts. The Holy Spirit's there. See, the church is in travail. Christians are praying. They got their positions. So I sat there chewing, chewing gum. Said, "Hey, Liddy, give me some of your lipstick." I don't, you know, you know, <laughs> honey. Do you know the other day when I was down there shopping, I tell you, I almost stepped on your toes. Did I ever seen said, "What do you think about that?" Oh, mercy! And call it the house of God. What's well, a disgrace? The body of Christ coming together. There we said. The man said, about, say, you know, when we went over there, this so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so, that's all right outside. But then here, it's the house of God. Come in, pray. Take your positions. I'm talking now, not to your churches, brethren. I don't know what you do. I'm talking to this tabernacle. I'm talking to my own back door, see? That's right. 
Now, when you come in like that, then the first thing you know, the pastor walks out. He's freshly. You don't have to be answering this, that, and the other. He's coming right out of the, the dew of his ministry. He's been under the power of the Holy Spirit. He walks right into where more tongues of fire are gathered together. It's almost a pillar now. See? She's moving around. He walks out here, picks up this, a message from the church. Thus saith the Lord, Brother Jones, to move from his house tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock, a cyclone shall sweep his land. Take his things and get away. Brother Jones gets that. All right? That's on record. Thus saith the Lord, there'll be a woman by the name of so-and-so will come in here tonight. And it was, uh, she's done so-and-so, as I've just said. See, like that. All right? That lays over. That's right. They're already got their position now in the church. All right? Then he takes the message. And the first thing you know, he starts preaching. Nothing's to interrupt. It's already taken place. Now we're going ahead. We preach the message. And the, after a while, when the first thing you know, when the message is over, the healing line starts... Here comes a woman. Someone spoke in tongues and said she's coming. See? Every one of us knows what's going to happen. Every one of us knows it. See how the faith begins to build with them tongues of fire standing over you now? She's beginning to accumulate together. <laughs> Why, it's just a finished work, that's all. Amen. That woman, I'll say Mrs. So-and-so from New York City sitting here. Hmm? Oh, that's right. How did you know that? It's a message from the Lord to the church. When you were 16 years old, wasn't you at a certain, certain place and done and taken some money from the church and stole it and went out and got new clothes with it? And so, oh, that's right. That is right. That's exactly what God has told us tonight through a brother so-and-so spoke with tongues, brother so-and-so interpreted, brother so-and-so here said of the discernment said it was from the Lord, and that's the truth, yes. Then thus saith the Lord, go make it right, and you'll get over your cancer. Brother Jones goes home, gets the wagons, backs up, gets his furniture, and gets away from there at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Swally goes the whole thing off. See? Then the church glorifies. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. Now that's what it is, to edify for the church. Now... What if it doesn't happen after they said it? Then you got an evil spirit among yes. you. You don't want that evil thing. Why do you want something evil when the, the skies are full of Pentecostal Amen. real? Amen. Don't take an old substitute from the devil. Get something real. God's Amen. got it for you. Amen. Then don't you have no more meetings to put anything up here till God already vindicates that you're right. Because you're a helper to the church. In the working of the gospel. Now you understand what it is? And Amen. tongues, unknown tongues, no man, he knows what he's talking about. He speaks, but every sound has a meaning. I, that has a meaning. Look, 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 that has, that's, an, that's a language somewhere. When I was in Africa, I never believed it. But everything that made a noise had some kind of a meaning to it. The Bible said there's no sound without a significance, without a meaning. Every sound that's made has some meaning to something. Well, I'd hear people say, I'd say, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. One of them go, buh, 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 buh. Another go, and that was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. See? It had, and that mean nothing to me, but to them it was a language just the same as I'm speaking to you. When the interpreter of the Zula 
Goza, Bazatu, and whatever more come along, everyone that was said, everyone understood. And these things that you hear, these people just muttering off and think it's a lot of jabbering, it isn't. It's got a meaning. So we ought to reverence it. Put it in its place. Now, maybe there's been no message. Now the service is over. The altar calls being made. And after a while, someone, there's been no message back there. Somebody raises up. As soon as they get a chance to, the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible said, if there be no interpreter, let him hold his peace. No matter how bad he's trying to speak, hold your peace. Say, I can't do it. The Bible said you could. Amen. So that, that settles it. See? Let him hold his peace. Then, when it, the chance comes, where everything's in order, then the Holy Spirit jumps on him to give the message. Then give it. That's exactly what you should do. Then the interpretation comes. Say, so there's a woman in here by the name of Sally Jones. I hope that woman's not in here by that name. But <laughs> Sally Jones, see? Tell her that this is the last night of her calling Make it right with God because she's got a short time she'll be here. Now, Sally Jones will run to the altar just as quick as she can get there, see? Because that's her last call, see? That's giving a message. Or a vindication or something. That is the Pentecostal church in operation. There's no possibilities for evil spirits to slip in because it's already, the Bible gives exactly, let it be by courses, that by three, and let two or more judge. That's the church. But where have we got it today? Jump up, carry on, laughing, go on while somebody's speaking in tongues, another looking, talking about something else and crowding around the pastor doing something, somebody crowding around. Well, that's not right. Maybe the pastor preaching, somebody get up and interrupt him in the, maybe reading the Bible and somebody reading the Bible and somebody back there speaking in tongues. Oh, no. See, preacher up preaching in the pulpit, somebody raised up and interrupt him speaking in tongues. It's all right. I don't say it isn't the Holy Ghost, but you ought to know how to use the Holy Ghost. See? Use it. Now, I'm taking... Have we got room for one more? Then tomorrow's Sunday. Then we'll... That's just... Here's one. I think it's the most gracious. And now, if you all just bear with me just a few minutes longer, please. And then I, I I want you to get this. I say this purposely. This is my last one. Now, first, I'm going to read the two things that the person asked that's on an old piece of paper, wrote with a beautiful handwriting, have no idea who it was, no name signed to, to any of them. Brother Branham, is it right for ministers to make long pulls for money in their services, telling that God has told them that so many in the audience are supposed to give so much? If this is right, I want to know. Or if it is wrong, I want to know. This has disturbed me terribly. <clears throat> now, you see, friend, I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I think, see? Now, that don't mean it right. I think it's terrible. Right? Now, uh, I think this. God sent me on the field. I've seen the time where I look like I would be at least. I didn't have no money at all. And I say, just pass the collection plate. And the manager come to me and say, look, Billy, we're $5,000 in the red tonight, boy. Have you got the money at Jeffersonville to pay it? I said, it's all right. God sent me here. I wouldn't have come. See? 
Just pass the collection plate. And before the meeting's over, somebody say, you know, the Lord put on my heart to give $5,000. <laughs> First be led to do it. I do not believe in pulling and begging and bumming money. I think it's a wrong thing. Now, brother, if you do it, don't let me hurt your feelings. See, you, you might have the right away from God to do it. But I'm speaking just for myself. I do not believe in it. Now, I've even known of ministers going to say, I stood right not long ago. Now, this isn't Pentecostal. This is, well, it's churches. See, other churches. Is that a big camp meeting? Gertie, you was with me. Many others present. And they took the whole afternoon at a famous denomination, two or three of them together, that's the regular, regular churches like our modern churches here in the city and so forth, at a big convention, and they took the whole afternoon standing on a platform and threatening that, that God would destroy their crops, would give their children polio, and things like that if you didn't put into that meeting. That's exactly the truth of this Bible before me. I said it's blasphemy to God and to His cause. God sends you, He'll take care of you. If He hasn't sent you, then let the denomination take care of you. Then, but, but you, God sends you, He'll take care of you. What about Christmas play in a Holy Ghost church? Well, if it's about Christ, it might be all right. But if it's about Santa Claus, I don't believe in him. I don't grow away from that. I don't believe in Santa Claus at all. See, and some of these little Christmas things they have, I think, is ridiculous. And but I think they've took all Christ out of Christmas and put Santa Claus in it. And Santa Claus is a fiction story. I'm not hurting any of your feelings. I hope about the children. But I'll tell you, here not long ago, about 25, 30 years ago, when I ministered here in this city, the pastor of, of a certain big church here in the city, that I know real well, a bosom friend of mine, he walked to me and Charlie Bohannon, Brother Mike, you remember Charlie Bohannon, a good friend of mine, sat there in his office and said, I'll never tell my kids or have my grandchildren told that lie no more. He said, my own little boy walked up to me after he got about 12 years old and talked about Santa Claus. And he said... Uh, honey, I've got something to tell you. Said, Mommy, you know, and go ahead and tell him what he did. Then after you come back, said, Then, Daddy, is this Jesus the same thing? Tell the truth. Santa Claus is a Catholic get-up about a fellow, Chris Crinkle, or St. Nicholas, an old German Catholic saint of many years ago who went around doing good to children, and they carried down as a tradition but Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. He's real and He lives. Amen. Now, here's a question, the last one, which is a very... Uh, look, you might disagree with me at that. But if you do disagree with me, remember, let it be friendly, will you? I love you. And I don't want to, don't want to hurt you. I'm, just, I'm wanting to be honest. If I, can't, if I tell my boy a lie, then I'm a liar. See? I want to tell him the truth. Now I tell him about Santa Claus. I say, yes, sure it is Santa Claus. Watch Daddy on Christmas night. <laughs> yes. You know, the other day I was down there and I tried that on a little girl to see. I sure got paid back the day before yesterday. I was in the building and they um, stand there down here at the Quaker Maid. And uh, I went down there to get the groceries. And so we, wife and I was in there and this little bitty girl wasn't over about 18 months old. 
and she was standing there going, they were saying, Dean Bell, Dean Bells, and I said, in her little stand, you know, sitting in the back of the little cart, I said, are you looking for Santa Claus? She said, that's my daddy, mister. <laughs> I said, bless your little heart, honey. You got wisdom. <laughs> now, here is a real sticker, friends. And in this, and I'll close. Oh, it's, it's a dandy scripture, but it's a sticker to every person seems to be, and it stuck me for years and years. And only by the grace of God and my precious wife sitting right back there now, when she heard it, I had that question this afternoon. She said, Bill, how do you answer that? She said, I've always wondered that myself. Said, I never could understand it. And said, I said, come down tonight, sweetheart. I'll do my best by the help of God. Brother Branham, please explain Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. That's one time it really... See, now you have to watch here. On our faith, grace, security of the believers, perseverance of the saints, perseverance, rather, of the saints. Hebrews, the 6th chapter, 4 to 6. Now, as soon as it finished this, then I hope that God will help me to make it real clear to you. I'm sorry, I, I got a message for tonight. Maybe I'll preach the same thing in the morning at the, at the service. Then I'll be going. Now, this is a real sticker thing. And I have to watch. I remember, we believe and teach at this church, not that everything comes up and shouts, everything that speaks in tongues, everything that shakes hands with a preacher has got eternal life. But we believe if you've got eternal life, if God has given you eternal life, you've got it forever. See? Because, look, if it didn't, Jesus is a found a false teacher. And St. John 5.24, He said, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall never come to the judgment, but has passed from death unto life. I argue with him. All the Father has given me. No man can come to me except the Father draws him. I'm quoting scripture. All that comes, no man can come to me except my Father draws him first. And all that uh, my Father has given me will come to me. And all that comes to me, I'll give them everlasting life, St. John 6, and will raise him up at the last days. That's his words. Now look, if I want to go back to Ephesians, the first chapter, Paul preaching. Now the Corinthians, each one had a tongue and a psalm. You know, it's the other churches didn't have that trouble. He never said nothing about it. Did he ever mention tongues anywhere in the Ephesian church? The Roman church? No. They had tongues and everything, just like Corinthians did. But they had it set in order. The Corinthians just couldn't get it in order. See? But Paul went out there and set the church in order. Now, he, uh, I believe, as old Robert says, God's a good God. Don't you believe that? 
And you say, well, what about the Pentecostals with the tongues and Brother Bradham? I think they got the Holy Ghost. Sure they did. All right, why? Look, you believe he's a good God? Thomas said one time, you know, Lord, all the rest of them believed him. So, oh, we know he's real. Oh, Thomas said, no, no. I don't believe it. The only way I'll believe it, I'll have to have some evidence. I'll have to stick my fingers in his side and in the prints of nails in his hand. He's a good God. He said, come on, Thomas. Here you are. Oh, Thomas said, now I believe. He said, yes, Thomas. After you see me and felt me and put my hand, your hands in my side, you believe. But how much greater is their reward who had never seen and yet believed? He's a good God. He gives you the desire of your heart, of course. But let's just believe Him. That's the, that's the, that's the death stroke to Satan when a man takes God at His word. Brother, that'll kill Satan every time. That's the hardest hit that Satan can get when a man will take God at His word. As I said, man shall not live alone, Jesus, but every word that proceedeth. Now, notice this. Now I'm going to start the first verse. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now the first thing I want you to know, who is Paul talking to here? Hebrews. To say Hebrews at the top, the book of Hebrews, is that right? The Jews that had rejected Jesus. Can you, you catch it now? He's talking to the Jews, showing in the shadow of the law, being a type of Christ. All the old things, a type of the new. Now watch. Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now he's been talking to him about the doctors. Let's go and talk about the perfected things. Now you are perfected in God when you're sealed by the Holy Ghost until the day of your redemption. He that is born of God, 1 John, does not commit sin, for he cannot sin, for the seed of God remains in him. A man that's filled with the Holy Ghost, not thinks he's filled, but he that's born of the Spirit of God does not commit sin, for the seed of God is in him, and he cannot sin. See? Does the Bible say that? So there it is. You are not what you do. What is what? Not what the world thinks of you. It's what God thinks of you. See? See? You cannot. How can I have an order written by the mayor of the city that I can run 40 miles an hour through the city and any policeman arrest me? I can't. How can I sin when there's a blood offering before God constantly where He can't even see me? When there's a bumper on the, uh, on the, uh, before me and God, a shield of blood, for we are dead and our life is hidden in Christ through God sealed by the Holy Ghost. How in the world can you do anything wrong in the sight of God? If we sin willfully, Hebrews 10, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for sin. In here it's impossible, see, to sin willfully. Now let's go ahead and read. All right. Perfection, not laying again the foundation of, of uh, repentance from dead works and 
faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we do if God permit. Now here's where they want to start from the fourth verse. For it is impossible for those once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. Now, now that looks like, from the way you're reading it there, that a man could receive the Holy Ghost and then backslide and be lost. But it's impossible for him to do it. He can't do it. If it did, Christ lied. See? It's impossible for one, those once enlightened. Now watch here. What's he speaking to? He's speaking to those borderline Jews. He never said a man being filled with the Holy Ghost. He said if he has tasted the Word of God. Now let me just give it in a parabolic so that you'll see and won't miss it now. Now he's writing to these Jews. Some of them are borderline believers. See, he said, now we're going to leave these works and go on to talk about perfection. He said, now we're talking about baptisms and resurrection of the dead and laying on the hands and everything. But let's go ahead now to talk about perfection. Now we're going to talk about when you come into the Holy Ghost. Now you've been hanging around the meeting a long time. And you've seen those people. They'll stay around. They won't come in or go out. They appreciate the Holy Ghost. They'll come around and maybe the Holy Ghost do something and man, they'll get up and shout and jump up and down the floor about it. But they never want to receive it themselves. No, no. And they'll say, oh yes, that's good. Oh, I don't know about that now. See, borderline believers. Just so close to they can taste it, but yet they don't receive it. See? Now, they hang around like that so long till after a while they drift completely away. I can call names of many who was at the tabernacle done the same thing. Fall all the way away again to renew themselves unto repentance. There's no repentance for them. They've just grieved the Spirit away from them. They've been so close to... Here, if you would turn with me, you don't have time, I know now, but if you would turn to Deuteronomy, the first chapter, and read it, you'll get the same thing. Marking it down. Now, Deuteronomy, the first chapter. Now, and it begin at the 19th verse and read through to the 26th. Deuteronomy. You'll find out... Now look, all of Israel, what them people do, they come to Kadesh Barnea. Oh, I see something. This tabernacle, this Pentecostal world is at Kadesh Barnea right now. That's exactly right, Brother We're at Kadesh Barnea, the judgment seat of the world. Was the judgment seat. And spies went out. Joshua said here, Now I sent spies, or noses rather, I sent spies, twelve, one of one man out of each one of your tribes. I sent them to spy out the land and bring back a report. Is that right? 
And when they come back, there was nine out of the twelve said, oh, it's a good land, but oh, mercy, we can't take it. Oh, my. The Amorites are there, and we look like grasshoppers up the side of them. They're armed men. Their walls are big. Oh, it's too... Why well, wish we'd have died down here in Egypt instead of you bringing us out here? But little old Caleb and Joshua jumped up there and quieted them. Said, we are more than able to take it. Yes, sir. There's the one. Now, look. What happened? Che, Caleb, and Joshua knew that God gave the promise of it. I don't care how big it is, how much the obstacles are, how high they are, how great they are. They don't have nothing to do with it. God said so. We can take it. And do you know they were the only two people out of that two and a half million that ever crossed into the land? Because they held their faith in what God said to be the truth. Amen. The tabernacle right now stands at Kadesh Barnea. Look, them people were so close to they even tasted the grapes out of the land. They eat the grapes. When Caleb and them went over and brought back the grapes, them fellas pulled off some and eat them. Oh, they're good, but we can't do it. They that have tasted the good work of God, have tasted of the Holy Spirit, seen the goodness of it, tasted of it, has tasted of the Word of God. See that? None of them men, not one of them ever was permitted to go over. They perished in their own land over here in the wilderness. They never went over yet. They was close enough to taste it. But not enough grace and faith to take it. Amen. That's what it is. Now, now listen to that dear person that wrote this letter. Let's just read the next verse. Watch just a minute. Watch Paul. Now let's read the seventh. For the earth drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meats for them, to whom it is dressed. Receive the blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Now, see what he says? Now watch. There was this question here. Now, and then we'll close. This thing liked to kill me for years. I went to a meeting one time where people were speaking with tongues at Mishawaka, Indiana. Now, I'm before my own crowd. You've heard them people, heard me tell my life story, and about the colored man that said, here he is, here he is. And I told that. But the rest of it, I've seen two men. They were one to give a message, another to interpret it. The other to give a message, another to interpret it. And brother, they was correct. Just it. I thought, my goodness, i never seen anything like that. I said, I'm amongst angels. I thought I'd never seen anything. One of speaking the other one, and I sit back there as a little old preacher, you know, old man sometimes, and shake their hand. I'd never seen such a man in my life. They'd speak a message, the other one would interpret it, and my, my, it was wonderful. One would speak, the other would interpret both, and they'd just turn chalky white when they'd raise their hands up. I thought, oh, my, my, where have I been all my life? This is a thing. I said, my Pentecostals are right. 
It's exactly right. I never seen much of this what was right down around in here where maybe a couple of women with a mission somewhere and they'd be fussing one, calling the other buzzard roost and, you know, just like that, kind of fussing one another. Not no disregarding to the women now or nothing, but just it was on the low ebb of any of you. You remember Brother Graham, he was just a little boy at that time. And so that's the way it was. And I listened to that and I thought, oh my, I've hit angels. One day coming around the corner of the house, about second day, I met one of the men. I said, how do you do, sir? He said, how do you do? He said, "Are you, uh, what's your name? And I said, Branham. He said, where are you from? Here? And I said, no, I'm from uh, uh, Jeffersonville. He said, well, that's fine. Are you Pentecostal? I said, no, sir, I'm not. I said, I just don't accept the Pentecostal way of receiving the Holy Spirit. I said, however, I said, I'm here to learn. He said, well, that's mighty nice. And talking to him, catching his spirit like the woman at the well, he was a real Christian. Brother, I mean, he rung out all right. He was good. Now, you all, how many has been in my meetings and see those things happen, you see? And the man was perfectly all right. So then I, I thought, there, my, how wonderful. About that evening, afternoon sometime, I met the other one. I said, how do you do, sir? He said, how do you do? What's your name? I told him. And he said, um, uh, are, are you a Pentecostal? I said, no, sir, not exactly Pentecostal, I don't guess. I said, I'm just up here to learn. He said, I said, he said, you ever got the Holy Ghost? I said, I don't know. I said, according to what you all got, I guess I haven't. And he said, ever spoken tongues? I said, no, sir. He said, then you haven't had it. I said, well, I guess that's right. I said, I don't know. I've just been preaching about two years less. And I said, I don't know too much about it. I said, maybe I don't know. I said, I can't understand. Because I was trying to hold him there, see, to catch it. And when it did, if I ever met a hypocrite, there was one of them. His wife was black-headed. He was living with a blonde-headed woman who had two children by her. And speaking in tongues interpret it just as perfect as it could be. And I said, Now, Lord, what have I got into? From angels, I didn't know what I was into. I said, I, I, I'm fundamental. It's got to be the Bible. Amen. It's got to be right. There's something wrong somewhere, Lord. How could that be? I went to the meeting that night, and that Spirit would fall, and, brother, you could feel it. It was the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. If it wasn't bore record with my spirit that it was the Holy Spirit. Now, I was just a young preacher and didn't know how much about it, a discernment of the Spirit. But I sat there and I know the very God that saved me, that was the same feeling. Felt like I was going through the roof. It's such a wonderful feeling, that building. I thought, about 1,500 of them there. I thought, my, oh, my, two or three bunches of them met together. And I thought, say, my, how can it be? Now, that great Spirit in this building falling like that, and here... Look at this. Going on up there, them guys speaking in tongues, interpreting, giving message perfectly, and one of them a hypocrite, and the other a real man of God. Now I thought, now I'm all confused. I don't know what to do. Well, immediately after, a good friend of mine, Brother Davis, you know, started saying I was a puppet. Uh, that's a girl's toy, you know. And so I was single, and so I, he started carrying on with me, and then going on kind of, Justin with me, and we was having a little, your mother, and all of us was having meetings around different places. The tabernacle wasn't, wasn't going at that time, and we were having little meetings different places, and finally, 
One day after the tabernacle been built many years later, I went up to Green's Mill to my cave to pray because Brother Davis had said some horrible things about me in the me in his paper. I loved him. I didn't want nothing to happen, and I, I went up there to pray for him. And I went up there, and I got in the cave, and I stayed in there about two days. And I said, Lord, forgive him. He, he don't mean, mean that. And I thought, you know, I was having to think of a scripture. And I went out, and there's a log. That log's still laying there. It's on it. You're not long ago. Down off the mountain, lays across a little path that comes around from the creek. And I just straddled the log, looking across the mountains way back there, and laid my Bible out like that. I thought, you know, I was thinking of a scripture. The coppersmith, he has done me much harm and said things. You know, I thought, I believe I'll just read that. I opened up the Bible and I said, well, wipe my face off. And the wind blew. And it turned over to Hebrews 6. Well, I said, that's not where it's at. And I laid it back like this. And the wind blowed again, turned it back again. And I said, now oh, that's strange. The wind blowing it back like that. So I thought, well, I believe I'll read it. And said, For it is impossible for those which were once enlightened, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and tasted the Word of God, and the thing of the world to come. I thought, well, I don't see nothing with that. Read it on down the rest of the chapter. Nothing in it. I said, well, that's that settles that for that. And I, I saw it like this, and back it went again. And I picked it up, and I thought, well, what is that? I kept reading it and reading it and reading it. I thought, well, I can't understand. Then I kept, and I read on down, is it possible? For those which were once enlightened, it come on down to a place here where it said, And the earth drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it to bring forth herbs, meats, that to them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and nigh to cursing whose judgment is to be burned. I said, wonder what that means. I just, now, I wasn't thinking about nothing up there. Just think that. And just then, as I was sitting there, I thought the Lord had given me a vision about Brother Davis and them down there. And I was sitting there, I looked, and I seen something turning out across the holler in front of me. And it was a world turning. And I seen it all broke up. This looked like it was all plowed over. And a man went forth with a, a, a great big thing in front of him full of seed. And he was casting the seed all the way across the earth as he went. He went around the curvature of the earth, and he went out of my sight. And as soon as he went out of my sight, here come a man, real sneaky looking, dressed in black garments, going around like this, going, throwing bad seeds. And I watched it as the earth kept turning around. After a while, wheat come up. And when the wheat come up, out of there come briars and thistles and thorns and stinkweed and everything growing up, milkweeds and everything growing up in the wheat. And there's all growing together. And it come a real bad drought. And the little wheat had its head over like that. And the little uh, briar, thistle, thorns, they had their head over each weed. Just <sighs> breathing like that. You could just hear them. And they were calling for rain. Rain. After a while, along come a great big cloud, and the water just gushed down. And when it fell up on there, that wheat jumped up and began to holler, Glory! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Up jumped the little stink wheat and holler, Glory! Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! The thorns and all of them dancing all around over the field, holler, Glory! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Well, I said, I can't get that. The vision left me, then I fell back on that again. The briars which is nigh unto rejection. Then I got it. 
Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. A man can sit in the meeting, can speak with tongues, can shout and act just like the rest of them with the genuine Holy Ghost and still not be in the kingdom of God. It's exactly right. Didn't Jesus say many will stand in that day and say, Lord, have not I cast out devils in your name? Have not I prophesied, preached in your name? Have not I done many mighty works in your name? Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never even knew you. How about that? Here's exactly what it means here. See, they tasted the good rain from heaven. But to begin with, they were wrong. To begin with, their objectives wasn't right. Their motives wasn't right. That you can't tell. You know, in the harvest, he said, shall I go forth and pull all them out? He said, let them grow together. And at that day, these thorns and thistles will be burned together and the wheat will go to the garner. Now, how are you going to know which is a thorn or which is a thistle or which is a wheat? By their fruit. Amen. You shall know them. You see, brother, sister, a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. No matter, somewhere along the road, it's going to catch up with you. So you in seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm glad... Ever who wrote that scene. Now them borderline believers back there, they was right with them. They were circumcised with their circumcision. They went right over to the land that God promised, right to the age of it. Uh, many a man walks up to that age. He'll walk right up to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and reject it. He don't want to give it up. He'll walk right up to the Scripture baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and turn his back and reject it to keep from sinning. There's not one scripture in all the Bible where anybody was ever baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Not one scripture. The Catholic Church started, come out in Luther down in West Indies, pulled on through to here. That's exactly right. But the scriptural order is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's apostolic baptism. You can't do that and stand in a denomination. That's right. Now, you see those things? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the things that God brings forth, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, long-suffering. Oh, you say, but Brother Branham, bless God, I'm long-suffering. It seemed like it. I went up to Ohio here not long ago, and somebody asked me, wrote a letter down here and asked me if I baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ. I never said a word. They found it out anyhow. And 16 cooperating ministers pulled away. That's long-suffering, isn't it? Long-suffering. Goodness, meekness, gentleness, patience, and the Holy Ghost. Oh, brother, sister, we're, we're at Kadesh Barnea. You're tasting now. Last night the Holy Spirit fell upon us, coming us in like a rushing wind. It's settled upon many of you. Today, ministers have been visiting homes here and there, laying on hands and praying for them and seeking the Holy Ghost. Don't you take a substitute. Don't you take some kind of a noise. Don't you take some kind of a sensation. You wait there until God has molded you and made you a new creature, made you a new person. You're tasting it now. Just tasting it. But let the dove lead you right to the table and the lamb and dove sit down together 
and feast forevermore upon the Word of God. For it will stand when there's no heaven or earth. The Word of God will remain. That is true. Please don't think that I'm radical. If I have been, I didn't mean to be. If I, I hope I've answered these questions. I have the best of my knowledge. And therefore, in Hebrews 6, if you'll see Paul's talking to Hebrews, that said, well, we'll go along with you so far. They'll come up, you see. said, now you've them that comes up and is tasted. I just happened to look back in the building to show you the evidence of a living God. I hope I don't make this person conspicuous. I come in from a meeting not long ago and come here to announce to you that a good friend, a personal buddy of mine, a hunting partner, a man had been good to me, a man that had been to my church and had been my brother, I called him Busty. His name is Everett Rogers. Lived in Milltown. How many remember me coming here to announce that he is laying here in the hospital. The doctors operated on him, roped him up, and so full of cancer, they just sewed him up. Said he'll dwindle right away. In a few weeks, he'll be gone. That'll be all there'll be to it. He'll be finished. That's all. You remember how I stood here on the platform and prayed for him? Went down there and went into the room. Something eating in my heart. I walked into the room, and as soon as I got everybody out so I could, Brother Everett was laying there. And you'll remember this. I walked in. I said, Brother, Brother Busty, I called him Busty. Long ago when we was having Brush Harbor meetings down there, all them Methodists back over there on the hill, Gertie, one of them, slipping around, peeping through the Grape Harbor to see what I was going to say. And like that, afraid that the Methodist church would excommunicate them. And then I went and had a vision there. And I seen meat all piled up in a can. I caught a bunch of fish and strung them on. Put, put them up on these stringers. And I tied the stringers up. And when I looked, and it was all in a vision, I'd left, it, left a bunch of people standing under a brush harbor that night and went up on top of the hill at Brother Wright's. They couldn't even find me the next morning. I said, don't none of you. While I was standing there preaching, here come that light, that pillar of fire hung right here before me and says, leave here and go to the woods. I'll talk to you. It was that same day, the next day, when they found me up on the hill. I'd been up there, hid my car in the weeds and had been up on a mountain praying all night and all the next day. Some of them come up there, found the car, come up there. That's the day that Brother Grim Snelling here received the Holy Ghost and the call into the ministry. Up there on the hillside where I've been laying there, and he, he told me different things to do and what the communication we'd had together. He gave a vision of seeing these fish strung up, said, this is your Milltown church. And four or five of them flopped off. I said, who's that? said, one of them is Guy Spencer and his wife. The other one is another Spencer there and theirs. And told the different ones what would flop off. I told him, I said, don't none of you eat. My wife and I wasn't before we was married. And she went home to stay all night with Sister Spencer, a wonderful woman. Wonderful man. Guy Spencer just as nice a man as stood in shoe leather. And he, and he went down there and Opal said, now look, to Meaty. She said, now Meaty, I believe Brother Bill. She said, but when Opal gets hungry, she has to have ham and eggs. So she goes over there and fries her ham and eggs and sits down to eat them and starts to say the blessing and leaned over the table crying couldn't touch him then they come hunting and up there on the hill that day he told me exactly what would happen he said these will leave and then these will leave but he had a big bunch of canned up meat he said keep this for farther use for the mill town people and the other night when I heard brother Creech he was sitting here last night 
I don't, Brother Creech, you're in tonight. When Brother Creech come to me, he called me up. And Sister Creech crying. Her daddy was laying there. said, Brother Bill, don't tell him. He's dying. said, he's eat up with cancer. The doctor's opening him up, and he's just as full of cancer as he can be. And Will Hall, and all of you remember him. When the same doctor opened him, and he's so full of cancer, and I started to go squirrel hunting that morning, and I seen them apples hanging in the room. You remember the story of it? And there are the man's living today. That's been years ago. He and Brother Busty were friends. And I went down to the hospital, the new hospital. Forget what they call it out there in New Albany, the new hospital. And I went out there to see Busty. And when I went in the room, I said, Brother Busty? He said, Brother Bill. Gripped my hand, that big old handshake, a veteran of the First World War. Not saying it in his presence, but just as fine a heart as ever beat under an old blue shirt. You got to hold my hand. I've been at his house, eat at his house, slept in his house, just like I was his brother, his kids and all. We're just, just blood brothers, like fine man. And he, but he never did come on with the Lord, deep. He, I baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ. But that day when that Methodist preacher said, anybody that's baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, get out from under my tent. That was okay. George Wright and them walked out. That afternoon I went down there to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ at Tottenford. His whole congregation walked in the water to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. So I just went on. That's all right. God be for you. Who can be against you? I don't even know where the man went. What happened to him? However, I walked in the hospital. There was Busty laying there so full of cancer the doctors wouldn't even... You know, we're just clamping back together. Busty said to me, he said, Brother Bill, this was for a purpose. Something happened. I said, yes, Busty. I'm going to feel that spirit, like that Russian wind I've been talking about, you know, coming in. He said, when I walked in here, there was a rainbow in that corner. Standing in that corner. A rainbow is a covenant. God's covenant. God made a covenant with me on that mountain that day. Put my hands over on Brother Busty and prayed for him. The doctor says he'll dwindle away. He'll just go down. There's nothing to it. He'll be gone just in a few days. And Busty Rogers, that's been weeks and weeks and weeks ago. And Busty Rogers sitting right back here in the church tonight, healthy and stout as I ever seen him look in my life. Stand up, Brother Busty. There he is. Amen. Let's give God praise. They were gathered in the upper room, all praying in His name, baptized with the Holy Ghost, and power for service came. Now what He did for them that day, He'll do for you the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. One of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Hallelujah, one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Though these people may not claim to be or boast of worldly fame, they have all received their Pentecost baptized in Jesus' name. And they're telling now both far and wide, His power is yet the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Hallelujah, one of them. I'm 
Come, my brother, seek this blessing that will cleanse your heart from sin, that will start the joy bells ringing and will keep your soul on flame. Oh, it's burning now within my heart. Oh, glory to His name. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Let's say it, oh, one of them. in that upper room all praying in His name. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost. Then power for service came. Now what He did for them that day He'll do for you the same. I'm so glad that I can say each one of you to turn around and shake hands with somebody by you and say, are you one of them? See, all right. Oh, one of them. I know you are. to be one, raise your hand. All right. Now, I'm going to sing this for you. Then come, my brothers, seek this blessing that will cleanse your heart from sin, that will start the joy bells ringing, and will keep your soul on flame. Oh, tis burning now down in my heart. Oh, glory to His name. I'm so glad that I can Aren't you one of them? <laughs> I'm so glad, aren't you? You know, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, this is that. And I've always said, if this ain't that, 
I'm glad I got this waiting for that to come. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad of this. For I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say this wonderful? Setting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, communing with the Spirit, communing over the Word, talking of the good things to come. So good. I'm so glad to know that, aren't you? Aren't you glad you're a Christian? Aren't you glad your sins are on the blood? He'll be coming one of these days, and we'll be going with Him. Then think, all the old age will drop out of us, all the sickness, all the affliction, all the mortal life will change. Oh, my. I can just think of the dear old brothers that stood here. I remember. How many remember Rabbi Lawson? My, most all of you. I can see him hanging at old Cain right here. I'll be sitting back there. He'd sing this little song. Just a minute, Teddy, brother. I'll try to see if I can get the tune of it. I don't know. There waits for me a glad tomorrow where gates of pearl swing open wide. And when I cross this veil of sorrow, I'll rest upon the other side. Some day beyond the reach of mortal kin, some day God only knows just where or when. The wheels of mortal life will all stand still. Then I shall go to dwell on Zion's hill. Yeah. These little wheels that's turning in us. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. These little senses and wheels is turning in this mortal life. Someday they'll stand still. Then me, myself, and you will go to dwell on Zion's hill. Oh, I love that. Don't you? No, we have that blessed assurance. All right. How many knows our old baptizing song? Now we'll change that. Let's take our dismissing song. Take the name of Jesus with you. Child of sorrow and of woe, it will joy and comfort give you. Take it everywhere you go. Take the name of Jesus with you. Just do that as you go, all right? All together. Now, don't forget, at 8 o'clock in the morning, prayer cards will be given out for the meeting. The meeting will start at 9.30. I'll be preaching at 10. Prayer service for the sick will begin about 11 o'clock. Tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening will be a evangelistic message at the tabernacle. And tomorrow night, all you that's repented of your sins and never been baptized, there'll be the pool will be open. We'll be baptizing the people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody together now, while we sang to the top of our voice, Brother Busty, you don't know how glad I am and thankful to God. You know, he went up to the doctor to tell me, and the doctor looked at him and just didn't know what to think. He didn't believe it was the same guy. <laughs> oh, it is no secret what God can do. Isn't that right? All right. Take down.
turn the service now to the pastor. Do you have some words or speak for someone to dismiss? It's on his mind.